2: Now, you don't blow your brains out when you become a follower of Christ. In fact, what we're studying is so incredibly beautiful. I mean, it just dots every I and crosses every T. But it always requires a step of faith. God will give you that step. Well, notice as we see these things happening, at these last three and a half years... Every circumstance, every battle will absolutely happen. Why? Because God's in control, God's powerful, and he's all-knowing.
0: God's sovereign control over the universe and its happenings is such a comfort to take refuge in, especially as we near the end of the world. Today, Pastor Mark will encourage listeners that God is faithful to protect his followers and reign supreme in the last days. There will be times ahead of us where it seems like God has disappeared and the enemy's on top, but we must stay close to the promises of Scripture during these times and never waver in our commitment to Christ. Do you believe that our Lord is in control of the world today and not surprised by anything that happens? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with the beginning of his message entitled, Armageddon, Second Coming and the Millennium.
2: Lord, us your if you know anything about Christianity, you prayed a prayer called the Lord's Prayer often we pray that prayer and never think about all the parts in it. I want to see if you can fill in the blank today. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Next. Thy what? Thy kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, we're going to see the answer to that prayer. Thy kingdom come. It's never happened ever in history that the kingdom of God has come to this earth in full and that the will of God on earth is exactly the same as the will of God in heaven. We've been talking about end times. Last week, the tribulation. Jesus spoke about it here in chapter 24. Look at verse 21. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, in other words, if it went more than the seven years, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. I want to pick up in Revelation. Keep your finger there in Matthew 24. And both campuses will be back in a moment. Turn to Revelation chapter 16. Last book in the Bible. Revelation 16. And as you turn there, let me remind you. If I had a newspaper in my hand today. And I would read you a story. I'm sure you're aware that everything in the newspaper is not true. Are are you aware of that? Okay, you can't trust everything in the newspaper. But I'm not reading the newspaper today. This is the word of God. And as outrageous as it seems, everything you're going to hear is indeed going to happen on this world. Now, we pick up in verse 12, and this is about a river as we begin the battle of Armageddon, and let me just explain that to you. You've heard of Armageddon before. It's not really one battle. It's actually many battles. And it's not just in one location. We'll see later. Actually, it, 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 the scope is all of Israel. But one of the things that really kicks off the last part of this battle, which is at the end of the seven years, is a river called the river Euphrates. Now, you and I probably couldn't find it in a map if our life depended on it. But it's a very, very important boundary. It's 1,800 miles long. Think of that. It's always been a separation between east and west. Look in verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. So in preparation, notice God's in control. God dries this river up. Now why would God do this? Because he's going to use the armies of the world. He's going to bring them together to finish them off. So he supernaturally dries up a river that's 1,800 miles long. Well, what are the nations that are going to be able to come through this dry river now? They're coming from the east. Now that's going to be nations like India, Indonesia, Japan, for sure China. The Bible tells us in Revelation that an army will come numbering more than 200 million soldiers. Well, there's only one nation really in the world that can do that at the moment. Before the Bible, nobody in their wildest imagination could think of that. Of course, not a problem from China today. Their army is more than 200 million. Now, they're going to come toward the land of Israel. Now that the water is dried up, they're going to be able to march and begin fighting in this battle called the Battles of Armageddon. Look at verse 14. More things happen. How do all these other nations get there? Well, they are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Down to verse 16. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in the Hebrew is called Armageddon. You see, God uses not only his power to dry up the Euphrates, but he allows demons to come out of the false prophet, the Antichrist and Satan. And these demons, they go and they, they work on the minds of the world leaders and they're all driven to the Middle East for this last battle. You see, God has always been in control. Now, this world today is ruled by Satan. But overall, God's still the ruler. But he allows all these things to happen because there is an end coming. Now, early on in his ministry, Jesus made this incredible statement, John 14, 29. You see it here and in Vieira. Jesus said this, I told you these things before they happen. So that when they do happen, you will believe. First thing I want you to write on both campuses today is simply this. God is always in control and he will reign supreme. Christ's followers win. You see, nothing is going to stop the plan of God. Now notice... Jesus says, I want to tell you these things before they happen, all these prophecies, so when you see them happen, you can believe. Quite often people will write me and they'll say something like this. I have a husband. I have a friend at work. I have a wife. They're engineers. They're very uh, methodical. They're very into science. They're brilliant. And they don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in anything. Pastor Mark, can you help me? As if I have this magic bullet to give to those brilliant people. Well, no, I can't. Other than to say this, as you study prophecies, no man, no matter their IQ, can do this. All the things we're going to see. The the second coming of Jesus Christ predicted 300 times in the Bible. Every time 25 verses in the New Testament speaks about the coming of Christ. It's gonna happen. Now, what I can say to you is this. Those individuals that will say to me, well, I'm not into the religion, I'm not into Jesus, I'm not into God, I'm not into the Bible. And you can't prove to me there's a God, can you? No, I can't. But they can't prove to me that there isn't a God. You see, God isn't into proof. God's into faith. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. The Bible says, without faith, man can't come to God. So it always takes a step of faith in a person's life. Now, you don't blow your brains out when you become a follower of Christ. In fact, what we're studying is so incredibly beautiful. I mean, it just dots every I and crosses every T. But it always requires a step of faith. God will give you that step. Well, notice as we see these things happening at these last three and a half years, every circumstance, every battle will absolutely happen. Why? Because God's in control, God's powerful, and he's all-knowing. Now turn to Revelation 19. As we get ready for the last series of battles, we have a scene in heaven. It's very different. Revelation 19.1. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Now, let me ask you, here we are near the end of the tribulation. We're in heaven around the throne. Now, what is this great multitude? Who, who are these great multitude of people in heaven? Well, here's who they are. Number one, angels. Number two, Old Testament saints that are in heaven. They're every person that's a follower of Christ that's been raptured. They're in heaven. And it also includes the tribulation saints that died and were resurrected. And in one unison language, what are they doing? Tell me. They're praising God. How are they praising God? Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Is it wonderful? You see, many of us, you say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm a quiet person. Maybe. I would never raise my voice. I don't believe that. But notice around the throne, there's King Jesus, God's on the throne. Around the throne, they're shouting. And what's the word they're shouting? Tell me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It means praise to God. Since I don't want you to be embarrassed in heaven, when you say, why did we all get together here? Well, we're going to praise God. Well, what are we supposed to say? You mean your pastor didn't tell you the word? No. Don't you dare tell them you went to Calvary Chapel, because <laughs> I'm going to tell you the word. We're going to practice this morning. What's the word? Tell me. Hallelujah. Okay, Viera, I have to hear you now. Now we're going to shout it so we can learn it. And a few times during the sermon, I'm going to ask for an H word, and it's called hallelujah. So here we go. One, two, three. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Does that feel good? Yeah, yeah you got to practice it a little bit. Now, why are you saying hallelujah? Because you're in heaven. And what you see on the earth, you should be there, but for God's grace. So there's this incredible, we've missed all the wrath and we're there and we're practicing praising our God. We'll look at verse 11. And I saw heaven standing open. Only two times in Revelation does the Bible give us a picture of the heaven's opening. One at the rapture, And here at the second coming. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. And with justice, he judges and makes war. This is obviously none other than Jesus Christ. Notice this picture. Here's the sequence where we're at. This is a great picture The event at the end of the tribulation finally brings the promise of the prayer that we talked about. Your kingdom come. As you look over here, we've finished the tribulation. We're in the last days. All of this has happened. And right here is the glorious appearing of Christ. He is coming to this earth. And you're going to see a moment. He's not coming alone. Now notice verse 14. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Now who's who's in this army? It's the same people that were around the throne. It's all the followers of Christ. He said, Pastor Mark, I never rode a horse before. You're going to ride one. It's going to be great. And by the way, how many of you think you look good in white? Some of you ladies go, look, I'm a summer, I I don't look good in white. (laughs) Relax. You're going to look great. You're going to be in linen, and you're going to be in white, and so am I. Now, remember... Pastor Micah, I don't have my makeup on. I can't look good in white. You got your glorified body. That's why women will never be late in that tribulation when it's over. Because you don't have any makeup to put on. And it's a beautiful, peaceful thing in heaven then. Hallelujah. We're coming back. Now listen. Have you ever seen an army dressed in white linen? Who would... Where's the fatigues? you got to be kidding me. You know why? Because you're going to see today, out of the mouth of the Lord, the word of the Lord comes, and the battle is done. One powerful word from the Lord. We don't get in the battle at all. Reminds me of a scripture, doesn't it, you? The battle is the Lord's. So we're not going to fight. We're just going to come back with him and see it. It is going to be... Guys, we are going to be in that army. That's unbelievable. It's going to happen. We're going to be there. And it's going to be an incredible picture. Well, scoot on down to verse 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies... From all over the world, gathered together to make war, notice, against the rider on the horse and against his army. The world, including obviously Satan who rules the world today, hates Christians. Hates Christ. Oh, you can say God. That's fine. Do not use the C word. Or the Jesus word. This is why the Antichrist is coming. He wants to defeat Jesus Christ. In attempt to prevent Christ from taking control of, quote, his earth, the beast allies with all these armies of the world to make war against the Lord, against his army, and to destroy Jerusalem. Where does this battle focus? Well, as I said to you, it's the whole range, but it does focus in the battle uh, called Armageddon, or the Valley of Megiddo. Napoleon called it the greatest battlefield of the world. And we know that it will be there, and of course it will be more than that. In fact, we know that even in Jerusalem there will be hand-to-hand fighting during these last days, that the enemy is trying to keep his world, but Jesus is coming to free it. Now, turn back with me, To Matthew 24, what will that look like? What will these battles look like? What's going to take place? Down to verse 27. Viera down to verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible, even in the west. So that already tell you that the second coming of Jesus will be very visible. In fact, we know to every eye so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 28. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. And immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. And the heavenly bodies will be shaken. You see, right at the end, the disaster that's going to face the world is unheard of. It's going to be horrible. You already know that one half of the world's population is going to be killed. One half. Notice, in this picture and then the second picture here, you kind of see maybe an asteroid from that movie Armageddon. Well, notice what this verse says. It says, stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. When these last days come, every city in the world will be leveled. The mountains fall down all because of cosmic and earthquakes that God Allows to happen. The vultures. Why the vultures? The vultures will be flying around and cleaning up the carcasses. It's hard for us to imagine, but the Bible gives us this illusion that in the valley of Megiddo, for many miles, the blood will flow as high as the horse's bridle. We've never seen anything like it. There's other pictures in Ezekiel and some of the Old Testament prophets that men's sockets, eye sockets, will melt within them. So some kind of nuclear things are going to be taking place as well as cosmic. Well, look at 30. Right at this time, look at verse 30. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And here we see something very unusual. And all the nations of the earth... Will mourn, And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, notice, with power and with great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now why will all the nations mourn? When they see their earth destroyed... Everything that they had put their faith into, gone. We know that Babylon, the symbol of one world economy, will be totally destroyed. So the one world government's gone, the one world economy's gone, and the one world religion is gone. There's nothing left for them. And they see Jesus coming. They put two and two together. All of this is part of the picture. They go, "Uh uh-oh. We mourn because we were wrong. The problem is it's too late. Their hearts have been hardened. Judgment is here.
0: Today we learned from Pastor Mark what to expect as the seven-year tribulation period ends and the millennial reign of Christ comes. Many of the end-time events can cause fear or anxiety, even amongst believers. Jesus himself said that these things were prophesied so that we would believe when we see them. We can take comfort though, knowing that God is always in control and will always reign supreme no matter the circumstance.
3: You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website.
0: The Battle of Armageddon has been portrayed in movies and books, but what does the Scripture teach on this major world event? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners about this monumental battle. Unlike previous battles in history, we already know the victor before it even begins. Jesus will defeat the enemy again for the last time and then take reign on earth with all of his followers. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a